Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I'm glad you made it to to, to church tonight. Turn your neighbor and say, welcome to First Wednesday. Now look, just to set a little expectation, uh, I want to do about 15, 20 minutes of teaching, um, but but then we're going to shift gears and we're going to put into practice the things that we've been talking about for the last two and a half weeks. How many of you have enjoyed this study on the tabernacle? Has this been helpful to people? You know, I think it's just so rich for us to learn and to understand the history of our faith. Can I have a good amen? You know, the older I get, the more important history becomes. When you're a kid, you don't really think about it. You're just kind of living for the moment. You're, you're taking a history class and you have to study dates and memorize names and battles that mean nothing to you. But the older you get, the more you realize that wrapped up in your destiny is something from your history. And there's something about the tabernacle and understanding the foundations of our faith that speak to us as a church. I think this has been so helpful. Uh, I want to tell you in just a moment, uh, at the end of our time together, we're going to anoint people with oil and we're going to pray and believe God for deliverance, for freedom, and for healing. And so at our Denim campus, we're going to be doing the same. Uh, Those of you that are watching online, if you don't have some oil, find some oil. It doesn't have to be anointing oil. It can be olive oil. It can be Crisco. It can be bacon grease. Come on, somebody. Get you some Earl. Come on, somebody say Earl. Man, we're going to be slinging some Earl tonight. We're going to be praying. Hey, listen, can I just say this? Let's go after God. Can we do that? You know, if if you want something you've never had, you're going to have to do something you've never done. So tonight, let's let's don't be conventional, all right? Uh, Let's stretch ourselves a little bit. Let's do something outside of what's comfortable to us. How many of you know when you step outside of what's comfortable, you grow? I think God's going to grow us. God's going to stretch us. He's going to enlarge our capacity. Uh, Let me teach you quickly on this final segment in the tabernacle prayer. And by quick review, I want to talk a little bit about where we started in this whole journey. And I know it's been helpful to have these 3D images on the screen to give you a visual, not to just hear it, but to see it. And you know, the, the, the tabernacle was a template. The Bible says it was an Old Testament picture of something that's happening in heaven. And the tabernacle, we started with the gate, okay? Remember we said the gate is you entered the gate with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We talked about how you enter. And once you step into the gate, we're in the outer court. The very first thing that you see once you step through the gate is that brazen altar. You know, the brazen altar was significantly large. It was overlaid in gold. It had four horns on each corner. And that was the place where the priest would bring that sacrificial animal. They would offer a blood sacrifice. Can I tell you this? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. How many of you are thankful for forgiveness? 
Oh man, where would we be without the forgiveness of God? And that brazen altar represents sacrifice. It was bloody. The priest would, would take that blood and sprinkle it over the altar and that spilling of blood, it was an atonement. It was a substitute for the sins of the people. And then after the brazen altar, the priest would offer that sacrifice. Before he could enter into the holy place, he had to wash his hands. We talked about the laver and that wash basin and how it represents purification. And remember we said, Lord, would you give us clean hands? God, give us pure hearts. How many of you know that purity is an inside job? It starts from the inside out. And, and so the priest would wash his hands and, and wash his feet and would cleanse himself before he could enter from the outer court into the building itself. Last week, if you were here on Sunday, we talked about the holy place and what was in the holy place. Well, you know, the, the, the outer court had no covering, so it had natural light. But once you walked into the holy place, the only light that illuminated the room came from the lampstand. Remember, we talked about the golden lampstand and that verse. And I hope you got your, your hand out. If you're tracking along, th these notes are golden. I mean, I, I pray that you refer to them because it gives us that pattern moving forward and, and how we pray and approach the presence of God. But that golden lampstand, we talked about Isaiah 11, verse 2, and how, you know, that, that the presence of the Holy Spirit. Is, is God said, I'll give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Lord. And so that light, the, the, the oil in that lamp would cause that light to burn and shine. And, and so we want to, the Holy Spirit to consume us, to illuminate us, to ignite a fire within us. And then from that, from that lampstand, we talked about the table of showbread. Remember that table that had that, that two sets of, of, of two stacks of loaves of bread and there were six in each stack and those six plus six, 12, those 12 loaves of bread represented the 12 tribes of Israel. We talked about the 12 sons of Jacob and the nation of Israel representing the people of God, the family of God. And that bread was God's word. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The priest would eat that bread and would bring strength to their bodies and nourishment so they could carry out their duties and their responsibilities. And then finally, from the table of showbread, you entered the, the final thing before the Holy of Holies. You saw that altar of incense. And we said that altar of incense represents worship. I want you to see how we, we went from the outer court to the inner court. Tonight, we're going to go from the inner court into the holy of holies. Or the, the, the scripture calls it the most holy place. And, and I want you to see the progression from outer court to inner court to most holy place. Uh, this is a, a pattern. Now, we're going to put it all together tonight. I want to teach you for just a few moments on the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, and what was in the Holy of Holies. But put it together collectively, and it serves as a pattern for us that we can pray every single day. If you were to just take two minutes at each one of these stations, it would take you 15 minutes a day to pray this tabernacle prayer. And I think there's something that you begin to discover about the presence of God through this practice. And in, in the holy place, before you could get into the holy of holies, you had to go through the veil. I wanna to talk to you about the veil just for a moment. There were four posts 
that held that veil. This was a thick curtain. It was a heavy curtain. It was a distinct uh, markation uh, separating the holy place from the most holy place. And before the priest could get into the most holy place, he had to walk through this veil. Now, if you'll notice the veil, there are four posts holding this veil up. And later, uh, Christian writers and theologians, they, they would compare those four pillars, those four posts, to the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of them would compare it to the four significant events of Jesus's life, his birth, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. I want you to see that. See the parallel. There, there, there's so, so many great symbols in this picture of the tabernacle, but to get into the presence of God himself, you have to go through Jesus. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, that's all about the life of Christ. Remember, everything about this tabernacle points to Jesus. We, we haven't substituted Jesus for a religious system. We're studying an ancient religious system to give us a greater appreciation of the person of Jesus. And so the priest would have to go through those pillars and walk through the veil to get into the Holy of Holies. Now, it was the high priest, and he could only do this once a year. On the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies through this veil. Now, what's interesting, I want to show you this analogy. I think this is, this is staggering. This is going to blow your mind, okay? The priest would offer sacrifices in the tabernacle twice a day, a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. The priest at dawn would prepare the morning sacrifice. At 9 a.m., he would offer the first sacrifice. At noon, he would prepare the second sacrifice. And at 3 p.m., he would offer that evening, that late afternoon sacrifice, okay? Now, consider the, the timeline of the crucifixion of Jesus, all right? Two sacrifices, two times of preparation. We're told that Jesus was tried at dawn. That's when the priest would prepare the morning sacrifice. He was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m. That was the first offering of the animal sacrifice. The Bible tells us that at noon, darkness covered the earth. The sun didn't shine. At noon is when the priest would prepare the second sacrifice. And then at 3 o'clock, Jesus bowed his head. He said, it is finished. The exact time of the evening sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? The timeline of Jesus' crucifixion and death and the preparation and the offering of animal sacrifices in the tabernacle, in the temple, it's not by coincidence. Matthew's gospel tells us this in Matthew 27, verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That veil in the tabernacle, see the Old Testament tabernacle became the New Testament temple. That veil was torn, now notice how, how it was torn. The Bible says from top to bottom. Why is that significant? Because God himself 
made a way. From top to bottom means God was the one who initiated this. It wasn't man trying to work his way into God's presence. It was God saying that sacrifice is sufficient. Now look, the Old Testament priest, the, the, the high priest on Yom Kippur would offer that animal sacrifice once a year. And that was enough for that year to delay any judgment that would come to the people. It was good only for a year until the next year he had to do it again. But when Jesus went to the cross, it was good for more than just a year. Come on, somebody. It was good not just for a lifetime, but for all of eternity. Can I have a good amen? And so that veil was torn from top to bottom and God ripped it open and gave us access. And now God is available to you and me. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now the dimensions of this most holy place. Consider this, the dimensions of the most holy place was 15 by 15 by 15. The book of Revelation tells us that this new Jerusalem, this holy city is 15 miles wide, 15 miles long, and 15 miles high. Think about that. The new Jerusalem in Revelation 21, the Bible says, coming down from God out of heaven. This holy city is a, it's the, the, the most holy place is a replica of the holy city that one day will come and God will establish his kingdom here on earth. The Ark of the Covenant, if you're taking notes, it's simply this, it represents the very presence of God. This is all about God's presence. It's all about God's presence. Now, now here's what's fascinating. The ark was at the center of the tabernacle. It was the very centerpiece of the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was at the very center of the Israelite camp. Think about this. Think about the significance. The ark is God's presence, was the very center of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the centerpiece of the Israelite camp. God, he not only wanted to be with his people, he wanted to be at the very center of their lives. For us, God is not an add-on. We're not just living our life trying to stuff God in and include him where we can. God is the very center of our hearts, the center of our families, the center of our homes. Lord, be at the very center of this church. How many of you know when God's in the middle of it, the rest is blessed? For us, some of, sometimes we, we get off course and God has to bring realignment. This tabernacle, this ark being at the very center of it is symbolic of God being in the middle. God being right in the middle of your life, the middle of your children, the middle of your business, the middle of your, your, your work, even in the middle of your mess. Put God in the middle. The Shekinah glory of God would rest upon this ark. If you notice, the lid of the ark is known as the mercy seat. It was covered in gold. This mercy seat was made of pure gold. And notice the two winged cherubs, these two angelic beings with outstretched wings facing each other. Why, why would on the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, why would God instruct Moses to craft it in such a way where two angels would face each other? Here's why. You remember the Garden of Eden? 
in that place of perfect paradise. When sin entered in the garden, do you remember part of the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin? They got kicked out of the garden. God says, you can't stay here. If you stay here, you may eat of the tree of life and and live forever. No, no, there are consequences to your sin. You have forfeited paradise. and And so he expelled them from the garden. And what did he put at the gate of Eden? With a flaming sword, he put angels. Said, no, 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 you cannot come back. But now, in the the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat are these two angels where God's saying, if you're going to get to me, if you're going to get back to Eden, this is the way. You see, from the time paradise was lost until now, God has been trying to bring us back. Can I have a good amen? How do we get back into paradise? And it's not a, it's not a garden here on earth but it's a heavenly paradise. It's through the mercy seat. The high priest would take the blood from the sacrifice, sprinkle it on the holy of holies, and every sin that the people had ever committed would be postponed to another year. But now, it's eternally washed. It's eternally cleansed. Never to be remembered anymore. I want you to know that the darkest day you've ever had in sin can be under the blood of Jesus. To be washed and cleansed and forgiven forever. Now here, here's what was in the ark, okay? In this box, there were three things inside the ark. The Ten Commandments were in that box. Those instructions written in stone, those stone tablets. The Ten Commandments represents God's instruction. In God's presence, you're going to get direction. You're going to get equipped. Everything you need to know to live according to life and godliness, you're going to get in his presence. The Ten Commandments were in the Ark of the Covenant. You know, you can complain about the Ten Commandments not being in the halls of our school. But God wants us to put the Ten Commandments in the halls of our heart. You can hang them on a wall, but God wants them written on our hearts. In his presence in the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments representing his instruction. But also there was a jar of manna. There was a jar of manna. Remember what God fed them in the wilderness for 40 years. He he fed them, the Bible calls it, food of angels. Psalms refers to it as the food of angels. He literally sustained them with supernatural food. This represents provision. The Ten Commandments speak to God's instruction. But manna speaks to God's provision. And I want want you to know, God is going to sustain you. He's going to supply your need. The scripture says, but my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Uh, And I know we've walked through some crazy times as a country. And some of you have lost your job. Some of you have been squeezed financially. In his presence, you'll find not only instruction, but provision. The third thing in this, this Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod. This was an inanimate object. It had no life. But Aaron's rod began to bud. It had blossoms on this rod. And this represents 
God's life. If 10 commandments represent his instructions, if the manna represents his provision, then this rod represents the life of God. The rod was dead, but God brought new life out of it. This rod represents a type of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, Jesus's death produces new life for us. These were the three things inside the Ark of the Covenant. Over the Ark of the Covenant was laid this gold, these two winged cherubs, the mercy seat of God. God's saying, I wanna bring you back. Paradise was lost through the first Adam, but Jesus, this second Adam, will bring us back into sinless perfection. The presence of Jesus speaks so much to us. Now let me leave you with this scripture in Hebrews 4, verse 14. Here's how I wanna wrap up this teaching on the, 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 the tabernacle, and then I want us to walk through this together, okay? We're gonna pray this, put it all together. Hebrews 4, 14, the scripture tells us this. So then, since we have a great high priest, we're no longer talking about Aaron and the Levites. This is no longer the Old Testament and the, the traditions of an old covenant. We're on a better covenant with better promises. The Bible says since we have this great high priest who is Jesus, he's entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So, somebody say so. So, let us come boldly. Somebody say boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, for there we will receive his what? Mercy. And we will find what? Grace to help us when? when we need it the most. How many of you, you need grace, you need mercy, and you need it pretty bad? The Bible says we can come boldly into his presence. You see, from start to finish, from the gate to the glory, from, from the very outer courts to the holy of holies, God says, I'm walking with my people and I want you to know me. Listen, I pray that you don't just attend church to go through a re religious experience. I pray that you come to the house of God and you experience the presence of God. Because in his presence, you'll find everything you need. Come on, do you receive that tonight? Put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.